welcome to Drafting the Dregs, your podcast for all things EPL fantasy. Uh, look, guys, we've had a, oh, I should say EPL draft fantasy, to be honest. Oh, I've, I've mucked that up, but hey, we'll keep it in. That'll be fine. Um, just before we've come on air, there's been a development. Now, um, everyone would have heard about it by now, but Steve Bruce uh, and Newcastle United have parted ways. And I've been reliably informed that... Um, the manager in the running to take over Newcastle United is none other than our very own Gilby as he's on top of our uh, draft fantasy league. So Gilby, mate, what sort of wages are you looking at? Have you figured out your your bonus structure? Do you know uh, what you're likely to get once they do inevitably sack you, like what your payout clause is? Run us well, through your football manager credentials, Gilby. <laughs> do it, do it. <laughs> well, as long as there's bulk milk involved, I'm always willing to listen to any offer, really. If they throw some Milo in as a signing bonus, I mean, who knows what might happen. But, I mean, I mean back in the day, oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to go with taking a non-league team all the way to winning the Premier League in six seasons as my football manager won. Um, what was the team? I, can you it was a team, team I, I've had in mind, but I've forgotten the team. I remember it was a team in pink. Um, it was a really odd-sounding team. I cannot remember the – I've had in mind, but that's going to haunt me now. I'll have to have bloody have a look while I'm listening to this podcast. And, okay, well, who was the biggest signing? Who got you there? Who got, who won you the Premier League? Because this is all oh. important. You need to be able to attract players to Newcastle United. Yeah, yeah. So I think by that time, I – might have been able to steal. There is a in the game. Any player who plays football manager will know there's a striker who starts in the Dortmund youth team called Yusufa Makoko. Um, and he, by the time I signed him, I think he won the golden boot for me. So <laughs> that that was my golden sign in there. So I mean, I mean, between me and Zidane, I mean, it's a pretty close race, right? Any idea if he's still available? Would you be able to pull him out and you know dust him off and get him going? Well, every time I go into Football Manager now, he's basically the first signing. So, I mean, you never know. Wow. Well, look, I, I think I think Newcastle United are onto a winner if that rumor is true, Gilby. I think you, you're obviously the man to, to do the job. So, hey, if it works out for you, congratulations. Yeah, I'm just going into Football Manager now as we speak to check what the name of that team was. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, well, we'll get an update for that in a minute. But in the meantime, we do have Mick and Dave with us. So, uh, boys, whilst Gilby's checking up, just confirming his credentials so that he can put a few more zeros onto his uh, wage, um, we might start, Dave, with you. We're going to jump into some moments of the week. Now, just like me, I'm sure yours is a, a little bit of a depressing moment of the week, quite possibly. Um, we've we've uh, obviously know that you have a new manager at Watford. Um, how did how did uh, the was there an upturn in performance like we see so many teams do when they change managers? No. Oh. Would you now like something longer than a one word response or? Um, well, if you've got more to add for your moment of the week, that'd probably be would be appreciated. Yes. Well, uh, like someone else we may know, the uh, new manager just had a birthday and he just turned 70. So maybe we're saving the, uh, maybe we're saving the birthday presents for this coming weekend. But uh, yes, for those of you listening, mum and Jeff, um, Isaac's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, sir. Yes. 
Thank you very not, much. Not quite 70, but probably not far off. Um, but my moment of the week... I look week, good for my age. Um, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, my moment of the week, look, I mean, sometimes you just have to rip the Band-Aid off and it's going to hurt to talk about, but we'll deal with it and we'll move on, hopefully. Um, moment of the week uh, is I finally have an answer to that age-old question. I know who ate all the pies, and it's Danny Rose. He ate all of the pies. Um, I mean, it didn't take long for Liverpool to score the first goal against Watford. But even in the first 10 minutes or so, I mean, he was just made of, made to look like a fool by Mo Salah. If you get beaten once, you know, you say fair play to the guy. I mean, Mo Salah's going to beat anyone in the world the way he's playing at the moment. If you get beaten twice, you got to start getting a bit angry. The third time he goes past you inside the first 10 minutes, you need to try and break an ankle. You need to put some physicality into it. And none of this happened. And, uh, and that was all before the first goal. So, yeah, uh, my moment of the week is, look, Danny Rose, you've had a good career. But if we can look at the positives, at least he will never play that badly for us ever again. <laughs> that's very true. I, that's a lovely positive spin you've been able to, to throw in there. Um, can we just talk about that first goal for a second? Because I was watching... Do we have to? Well, just really quickly, because it was... When you... It was a beautiful first goal. Like the the assist from Salah was just amazing. Yeah, like it was not amazing. only outside of the boot through the defensive line, but just perfectly weighted. Yeah, I mean, Mane didn't have to break stride at all, straight through on goal. And uh, I do think old mate Ben Foster definitely coming towards the end of his career. Um, didn't cover himself in glory in that 5-0 defeat but yeah I, I don't think he was necessarily I don't think he made too many glaring mistakes either it was just you know Salah's going to rip us rip apart anyone in the world playing like he did on Saturday night our time um, yeah he was unstoppable just quickly on Ben Foster too. Um, he in his own fantasy team this week he did captain Salah, which uh, is <laughs> quite uh, you know ironic in a way. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I saw like even though he captained him, he still did save probably you know upwards of three or four more goals um, that Salah could have potentially got. So you know, yeah, no conflict of interest there. Five nil could have easily have been seven eight or nine nil. Well, interesting on that, Dave. One thing I did note has just come out after the game. A UFC fighter was ejected from Watford Stadium for celebrating a Liverpool goal. Um, and he wasn't, he wasn't in the away section at the time. And it's no. since come out that Ben Foster gave him the tickets. Um, yes. <laughs> so there's been rooms he may face some kind of disciplinary action for that. And apparently the UFC fighter then went to a Watford pub and continued celebrating more Liverpool goals and got himself thrown out of that pub too. So that's an interesting one there. Yeah, I didn't 
read the story. Um, so I didn't know about the fact that he was celebrating the Liverpool goals, but I did see the headline that there was some controversy about him being there uh, and the fact that he'd gotten his tickets through Ben Foster. But Ben Foster can't control his behaviour. No. Like, he's given him the tickets thinking he's going to at least act somewhat maturely in that situation. Maybe he shouldn't have, considering, you know, his profession. But, um, yeah, that's that's that, that's a bit harsh, I think, to if Ben Foster gets reprimanded for it, just in my opinion. Anyway, that's me done. Let's move on and never speak of this ever again. <laughs> well, fingers crossed that uh, Danny Rose... Yeah, either never plays again or um, at least doesn't play that badly. So, Or at least loses 15 kilos before he does play again. You think he could have put lent some of that weight into Salah, don't you? Anyway. Yeah, yeah. There was well, plenty to lean into. Uh, oh, well, Mick, let's, let's move to yours. Um, moment of the week this week. What have you got for us? Uh, my moment of the week this week, so you don't let me talk about my team very often. Uh, for the record, we are sitting second in the championship, but we'll talk about our rivals instead. Um, so local rivals, Aston Villa and Wolverhampton, played each other this week, and uh, our favourite Polish right-back, Matty Cash, got a lovely clean sheet after getting withdrawn after 77 minutes before Villa absolutely imploded to lose 3-2, conceding three times in the last 10 minutes. Mm. Um haven't actually had a chance to watch the game as of yet or even see the highlights, but just implosion of that level. But um, yeah, I think my favorite part of that is the Villa clean sheet that I think it's Jeff has. Um, and the fact that he gets six points for a team that lost three, two for a defender that didn't give any attacking returns. So that's a, that's yeah, that, that's my moment of the week, both a bit of a fantasy one as well as that's, a, I guess, Premier League one. That's just good and management. My team is involved. That's just good management, isn't it, Gilby? <laughs> that's just good management. Well, it's actually a little bit unfortunate for Jeff because um, I think you'll find he um, the other one that he did is he dropped Mings for Veltman, a Brighton player, and Veltman was substituted off in the 58th minute, which is two minutes short of getting the shutout point. So not only did he miss the shutout points, he only, his only contribution was a yellow card. So instead of getting a shutout, um, he contributed a grand total of zero for Jeff's team. Well played. Well played. See, that's poor management. (laughs) Bit of give and take there. Oh, that's not good at all. Okay. Uh, So we've done Dave. We've done Mick. Yes, Mick. Or no, no, no. Yeah, there there was just one other thing. Um, Something I've noticed, I think um, our broadcast Optus has put this up, is um, have you seen the picture of Jordan Pickford's water bottle going around? Yes. If you've had a look at it, now, there was no actual penalty that happened, but... On his water bottle that he obviously keeps in the net behind him, he had a picture of three goals with three names. Obviously, the penalty takers, it was Antonio, Noble, and Declan Rice, I think. And it had colored spots, so green and red, based on where they've hit their penalties before and whether they were saved, missed, or what had happened. I just thought that was really interesting, and I can't wait to see next time Everton faces a penalty. Maybe it's against a certain Bruno Fernandes and it gets saved. I would love to see that happen. (laughs) Yeah. For, for those who uh, follow us at, at drafting underscore dregs on uh, Twitter, we, we made a bit of a comment on that and uh, maybe mentioned that someone like uh, our very own Gilby might be able to do up something a bit better on uh, an Excel spreadsheet and, and give it to Jordan Pickford if the opportunity ever arose. So 
uh, you know, I, I, I think Gilby's a good shout there. Not only does he have the managerial skills, but man, his his analytical skills and, and spreadsheeting skills could definitely uh, uh, benefit many in the Premier League. Just just trying to plug you a little bit, Gilby, if that's okay. Well, I mean, for a while there on the weekend, I was about to lose my top spot, which I will talk about a bit later. So maybe hand over that throne to you pretty soon. Um, but I did notice that it's come out uh, that... Bruno Fernandes was on penalties the last um, match. Um, so he was going to be the number one tick if Man United did get a penalty. So that's going to be an ongoing um, situation. Apparently, Ole's going to decide before each match who his number one pick is. So apparently the last match, it was still Bruno. Whether or not that continues, I don't know. Hmm. Well, Gilby, whilst you're, you know, picking apart Man United... We might as well move over to your moment of the week now. I'm not sure it's Man United related per se, but I'm interested to hear what, what you've picked out this week. Yeah, well, I've, I won't wallow too much in a admittedly terrible performance because I had predicted Vardy was going to score a hat-trick on us, and he probably should have. But anyway, we deserved to lose and got deservedly uh, beaten, and we probably should have lost by more. Anyway, moving on to what I actually wanted to speak about. First thing was my team that I led to glory in football manager was a team called Dulwich Hamlet. Um, which oh, I picked, those guys. Which I picked based on their pink emblem. Um, so that was my claim to glory for football manager, taking them from Conference South to the Premier League title. Anyway, on to actual matters. Um, there were two things that stood out for me this week. Um, the top score of the week was Firmino for Nate. So there's a couple of things, though, with Nate uh, that was just a classic Nate move. Um, first of all, um, Nate was uh, put Firmino on his bench. Um, so he was a bit lucky with the auto sub. Now, we'll talk about whether or not that was actually meant or not. Probably did. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that he knew Richarlison wasn't going to play. But the other thing we I noted was that Nate tried to drop Firmino and bring in Huang in the free agent trades. So that could have been a very, very interesting one for Nate if he'd thrown away the top scorer of the round for Huang. So just on the strength of that name, that sounds like Nate down to the ground. Um, the other one is... Uh, I don't know how long this is actually live for. I don't know whether it disappeared in the time, but I haven't seen this and I haven't checked it since the weekend. Dan offered me Sancho and Jesus for Rashford and Aubameyang, but it popped up as withdrawn. So I don't know whether or not Dan offered me that and changed his mind or whether or not it came in a deadline or something like that. But that was an interesting one, which I would have looked at. And I've got a current offer from Jeff, who trolled Dave last week with some live offers. <laughs> current offer on the podcast. Uh, he has offered me Wan Basaka for Azpilicueta. So uh, I'm sure we'll probably talk about trades pretty soon, but uh, it's a pretty quick decision for me on that one. So, Jeff, that's a yes. Um, okay, Mick, uh, did you have something to add there about Dan's potential trade? Just in terms of the trades, I actually haven't spoken to Dan about that, but pretty sure from what I've seen experience, if if it's just run out or if it was before deadline, it'd come up as expired. So I dare say, and I find, I'll find out at some point, but I reckon it may have been a change of mind maybe or a change of decision just said, actually, no, um, that's not what I want to do. But we'll, we'll endeavor to find out more and we'll get back to that one. Yeah, look, I think there's been a few trades behind the scenes. Uh, not tr- not trades happen, but trades uh, proposed. So 
Um, I definitely have a few to discuss as the the podcast rolls on, so it'll be interesting to see how we go there. Um, my moment of the week this week, um, again, is is a disappointing one for me. Um, I I woke up uh, somewhat early and decided to 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 watch a bit of the Palace game versus Arsenal. Um, I pretty sure last week I predicted that I was really interested in that game. I thought it would be a good game, lots of fantasy points. Was interested to see the reaction to Vieira at the ground at Arsenal, given he's a, a an absolute legend there. And um, look, it was a good game in terms of, uh, from a Palace perspective, they played really well. They came from behind and got up 2-1. And then in the final moments of stoppage time, pretty much the, la- or the last kick of the game, uh, it happened again and Arsenal were able to equalise with the last kick. Uh, Lacazette, to be honest, when he came on, looked really, really, really good, really direct, was causing issues. Him and Aubameyang link up was good. Um, but Palace were basically just trying to defend their way to the three points. And unfortunately, in this case, it didn't work out. Um, and that was a little bit demoralizing given that uh, they played so well and given that that same thing had basically happened the week, the, the game week before as well. So that was really disappointing. But. There are positives there, positive being they came from behind and almost won the game, and that was away to Arsenal, and they did it without Zaha as well, uh, which I don't think they'd have that sort of performance one or two years ago without Zaha there. So the fact that they could do that was really excellent. You can sort of see their style coming through and that they don't have to rely on him necessarily. So that was positive. Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, I'm not the world's greatest football manager, unlike I'll make Gilby over here, but I did kind of think uh, that Vieira was asking for an equalising goal when he took off um, Eduard for Tompkins. And I think from that point on, with about 10 minutes to go, um, you guys just sat so deep and you were inviting Arsenal to come and have a crack. And they... I think one of them hit the crossbar at some point before that final goal went in. Um, so it was definitely coming in on the cards. But up until that point, up until that substitution, um, I thought you guys were the, the better side from what I saw. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think it was probably at the time the wrong message to send. Um, I think, you know, it's a, it's a fine line. But I think that if if they weren't making that substitution and saying, no, I still want you to attack, I still want us to try and get another goal um, and sort of pick your moments to do that and still be solid defensively when you need to be defensive, but still be able to go forward. As soon as that happened, well, you can't really get forward then because you've only got one person up forward who could potentially do something um, and hold the ball up. So it was never going to work. But yeah, bit disappointed, but you know, we, we Luckily, we got a point, but we definitely threw two away. So, um, yeah, not the best, but um, never mind. Yeah, before we move on, Isaac as well, um, not necessarily moments of the week, but I just want to really quickly touch on two things that um, happened over the, uh, the weekend. So um, the first thing is, you know, we're obviously um, really glad that the fan that had the hard incident in the stands at Newcastle um, is apparently doing well. Um, and, yeah, shout out to, obviously, uh, Sergi Reguillon and 
Eric Dyer for, first of all, noticing that something was amiss, um, alerting the, the referee and getting the team doctor to run out with an AED as soon as possible. Um, you know, the first first few minutes are critical and luckily, you know, someone shouted out, is there a doctor in the house? And there was. So, um, yeah, Premier League stadiums these days are probably some of the safest places to be in the world because there's so many medical staff on hand. Um, so that's good. Um, and, yeah, the other news is that um, Norwich put out a message that one of their um, squad keepers, Dan Barden, has been diagnosed with testicular cancer. So we obviously wish him all the best. Um, obviously not, you know, in the first first team or whatever, but that's irrelevant. Um, being Aussies, we've obviously lived through, um, especially Dylan Tombides was a shining light for us and was struck down very young. Um, and Craig Moore um, went through it and came out the other side. So... Yeah, best of luck to those two. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. No, good shout there. And um, it puts everything into perspective, really, when when those types of things happen. So, no, good good thing to talk about. So, guys, it would be remiss of us not to look back at Mick's multi from last week, just really quickly. Now, Mick, how did you get on? Was have you made your money back, or would you have made your money back? Well, I would have if Tottenham scored one more goal and Palace didn't concede. So yeah, um, so no, <laughs> but no, no. I mean, unsurprisingly, it hasn't come off. Um, <laughs> but in saying that, I think for the odds it was offered, it was probably a lot closer than some may have predicted at the start. So I think based on what you've just said, and we've already been through a Palace went very, very close to scoring. Uh, sorry, not scoring, winning, taking all three points, which was the prediction with both teams to score. So a 2-1 scoreline was perfect. Um, obviously, Lacazette ruined the party there. And then the other one was uh, Tottenham, I think, to cover a one-goal handicap. So they ended up winning by a single goal. I think that might have also been a 2-1 off the top of my head. Um, but it was a single-goal handicap. I know that for sure. So a single goal they won by, 3-2. Um, so... Um, yeah, it was it was a close game. I think maybe just the Tottenham defence of Mourinho era isn't there anymore, and they just can't defend. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was there's possibilities there on a different game week it would have happened, but um, I think I, I was close to the money. Unfortunately, it's still just out of reach. But hey, we've still got thirty more chances. Only one needs to come off, and then maybe we'll break even at the end. <laughs> Bet responsibly, and then, and, and then double or nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let it ride. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be West Brom in the playoff championships, and then I'll put everything on them, and then I'll be double disappointed or ecstatic. <laughs> well, let's move on to uh, Gilby's waiver wire. Let's hear about um, our league and and who who picked up who in this particular game week. Um, we can have a bit of a, a chat to see maybe who who the good trades were. We've already heard about. One of Nathan's, which didn't pay off, which ended up actually paying off for him. So, Gilby, who who else? What else were the movements this week? All right. So, first cab off the rank was Ben dropping Loughton for Ben White, uh, one of your old favourites, Isaac. So, I'm going <laughs> to give that one a pass, particularly given that Arsenal have some really good fixtures and Arsenal looked a little bit more solid at the back compared to what they're used to, at least. So, I'm thinking that's probably an upgrade there or giving the benefit of the doubt there. 
Uh, Dan was next and dropping Ben Mee for Chalabar. Um, that's a 50-50 for me. Um, ben Mee is always solid. Chalabar, when he plays, is going to be worth points, but is going to play a handful of matches. So, Mick, you wanted to say something there with one of those trades? Yeah, I mean, my trades comes after that. And knowing that Dan's a Chelsea fan and he went for a Chelsea defender, I expected my trade to not go through. But we'll get to that in a second. And I actually said to him, I was like, well, why didn't you handcuff Alonso to Chilwell? I said, if you're going to play Alonso, I think if anything happens, if Chilwell starts, Alonso doesn't play at all. If Alonso starts, there's an outside chance he'll sub off. But I said, if Chilwell starts, that's the that's him. He's going to get the whole 90 unless there's an injury. So I did ask why he went for Chalabal. Um, it's it's definitely not a long-term thing for him. It's a short-term thing. It's a one or two week. He knew Thiago Silva wasn't going to be playing because of international duty. He knew Rudiger had been ruled out. He knew he was more than likely, well, he was a very, very good chance. And I think in his mind, and I guess realistically, um, Chalabal was a, almost a guaranteed starter for a week. So I think it, that was a one-week thing, not a long-term thing. So wouldn't surprise me if another defender goes this week. Um, but I think, yeah, it depends obviously who Chelsea have and I guess who else is available. I'm pretty sure I saw a stat that said that Chalabar was one of the most wavered in um, players into people's drafts in the EPL Fantasy world this week. So yeah, I'd be interested to see who decides to then maybe drop him just after that one one instance. Yeah, I liked it as a short-term move, but, yeah, I mean, I was shocked that he'd gone for Chalabar ahead of Chilwell, which then, as Mick said, enabled Mick to then pick up Chilwell, who was massive for his team this week, which I'm sure we'll get to very soon. Um, Dave was next. He tried for Chilwell, uh, but then settled for dropping Varane for Richie. All right, so going for a Newcastle defender, Dave, who are the worst defence in the Premier League by a distance. What are we thinking there? Mate, I'm just going to hold on to Richie until they've got the likes of, you know, Mbappe and Messi and Ronaldo and I don't know, who else are they going to get, you know? And, of course, Richie will still be on set pieces when all of that happens, so <laughs> just gold in the making. Well, I do remember you hanging on to a few of your speculative transfers in the past. I seem to remember Draxler appearing at Christmas one year. So, I mean, you never know. You might have to hold for a while, um, but, I mean, could pay off. Draxler so, I mean, will I'm, appear again. <laughs> I'm going to give you a uh, on the fence at the moment uh, because Varane being injured is obviously you're going to get more points out of Richie for the short term, but I'm not sure Varane's going to be there when he does come back available. So be yeah, no, for me. I'm happy to forego Varane. He's not giving me anything bar the odd um, appearance points anyway. He's not yeah. an attacking threat. Well, I mean, so. Manchester United's fixture run at the moment is pretty horrible until December. Um, so, I mean, I'd, I'd definitely be... Temp- I was tempted to give you an immediate pass there, but the only thing that made me question it was Newcastle's defensive record. So that yeah, would be the only thing. But like you say, Richie being on set pieces is always going to be a chance for points. And I haven't got them in front of me. I'm sure you don't have them far away. But I think Newcastle's fixtures um, aren't too bad for the next few weeks as well. So I yeah. think so. I, I will have to check that one uh, very soon. But yeah, so moving on then for now... Nate was another one that tried for Chilwell. I'm not sure if Nate quite knew what he was doing with the trades there. He tried for Chilwell with two different players twice. So rather than having a backup option, he tried to drop Chilwell, tried to drop a player for Chilwell, and then tried to drop another player for Chilwell. 
So I'm not sure what was happening there, but anyway. Um, sometimes he, I'll, just, I'll just say, Gilby, sometimes when I haven't fully decided, I'll put both in and then take out one later. Like if I haven't decided exactly what I want to do, because then at least if I forget, I'll still get maybe a player I want. Um, so I don't know if yeah. that's what he did, but sometimes I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely a possibility. Um, so we're giving the benefit of the doubt on that one. Um, but his move was dropping Pepe for email Smith Rowe, um, which I'm going to say is an upgrade given that Smith Rowe at least plays a bit more often than Pepe. And Pepe's looked very, very flighty week to week there. What do you think, Mick? Can I point out that a second round draft pick has gone before either of mine have? That's all I want to point out. I think okay. we might have to compare the amount of points that Pepe and Sterling and Havertz have scored first. Before you can't compare playing. all of them. You can compare one of them, but you can't compare both of them. I think we'll we could almost add both of them together and still compare. <laughs> I think we'll have a look at that later. Um, I think I might pull up some statistics on that just to check on that one for you later there, Mick. What do you think, Dave? Um, not on that one, but I have just dug up the Newcastle fixtures. Sorry. So um, over the next seven weeks, they've got Chelsea and Arsenal, um, which are the difficult fixtures. Um, but then they've also got the likes of Crystal Palace. I mean, they're just weak at the back at the moment, aren't they, Isaac? Um, Brighton, Norwich, Burnley. And then they've also got Brentford. I personally don't class that as an easy fixture. Um, but, yeah, I think the fixtures for Newcastle look reasonable for the next seven weeks, and that's obviously... Uh, would have been something I looked into when I picked up Richie. Yeah, the only question I've got there, though, would be the first good fixture I'd be pretty confident of calling a shutout for is going to be round 14 where you host Norwich. So that's going to be the only option, the thing there because you're looking at, I think Palace will probably score, Chelsea's going to score, Brighton will probably score, Brentford will probably score, Arsenal as well. So you're hoping for some set pieces there, I think, for the next few weeks if you're going to hold Richie and then maybe hold out Norwich. Do you hear that, Mick? You, uh, you're racking down Palace, Chelsea, Brighton, Brentford, and Arsenal all to score for your next one, two, three, for your next five weeks worth of multis. I mean, it's to be, in, right? to be fair, fair, Gilby hasn't missed much this year, so I probably should. <laughs> I'm saying on the, I'm not saying they will. I'm saying on the balance of probabilities, you would probably say Newcastle aren't going to hold out shutouts against those teams. I mean, the uh, balance they may. The balance of probability says the house always wins. I'm not going to make my money back, but. <laughs> well, I mean, if we, so if we assume you're betting 10 bucks every week on your multi mic at the moment, you're down 80 bucks. So, I mean, you, you may be able to make that back in one bet. Like I say, I, I'm just trying to get the odds roughly around that $38 mark. So if only one comes off, I'm, I'm up. That's all that needs to happen. I just need, and I've still got 30 chances. Hey, we're not even, a, well, we are we a third of the way through? We're almost a third of the... No, sorry, a quarter of the way through. Quarter. Man, it's late. Maths is not good. <laughs> and this is the man we're trusting to do some betting for us. So here, here you are with Drafting the Dregs, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so... Um, <laughs> and next up was on the waiver wire was our old friend Jeff. He also tried for Smith Rowe and was prepared to give up Bernardo Silva. Um, that turned out really well for him. That that didn't work because Bernardo Silva had a really big game this week for 11 points. Um, he also tried to bring in Chalaber again for the third time this season. Um, <laughs> he wasn't available. 
Um, so he then had to settle for dropping Adam Armstrong from Southampton and bringing in Huang. So he went for um, Huang up front. At the moment, I'm going to say that's a pretty much a like-for-like like, um, swap there. Um, I know a lot of people in the real fantasy game are bringing in Huang because of his price, and they were thinking maybe he's going to get a good combination going with Jimenez. But uh, I don't know. I'm not really convinced yet. We'll see how that one goes. Isaac, you were next. You also tried for Chilwell like a few of our other players did, um, but then you dropped a Josh King from Watford and brought in your old favourite Ihe Nacho. What are we thinking there, Isaac? I think the band is back together. The the three <laughs> forwards that I picked up at the beginning of the of the beginning of the uh, the the draft they're all back together now. Um, the 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 theory was that. I was pretty certain Leicester were going to dominate Man U. Uh, Inacho started the previous game versus Palace, scored a goal or gave an assist. Anyway, he, he got some form of points. Um, so I figured that maybe they've stumbled across uh, a better formula than what they had before by actually playing Inacho when he um, was their best player player at the end of last season so I just wanted to get him in before anyone else sort of did and um, uh, a good thing I did because King was injured and didn't play I believe so that that was the reason as well yeah no interesting because Leicester uh, actually played a 3-5-2 against Manchester United so which would be very good for Ihan Nacho not so great for one of mixed trades coming up but we'll talk more about that in a second um Dan, uh, I was next. I also tried for Chilwell and tried for Ben White as well, but I knew I wasn't really a great chance of getting either of them, but I was actually very happy to have uh, Cucurella from Brighton and instead of Kufal from West Ham because I knew Kufal had picked up an injury. So, and uh, looking at the stats, Cucurella has been really, really good for Brighton, been really attacking and Brighton have looked really solid so far. So happy with that one. Uh, Dan was next, dropping Trincao from Wolves for Lucas Mora. I'm going to say a pass for now, because uh, Lucas Mora is at least playing 90 minutes most times. He's been subbed off a few times, but he's at least playing a fair bit more than Trincao. Hasn't given any attacking returns so far, but yeah, I think Dan's, Dan's probably trying a few things there. Let's face it, it can't get much worse. Um, Mick also tried for Smith Rowe, um, but he settled for dropping Buendia for Harvey Barnes. So, Mick, what are we thinking there? Well, 8 o'clock is the cutoff. I think it's on Friday nights for our uh, trades. At 7.58, I logged in and actually added uh, Chilwell in. So, Chilwell wasn't even on my draft board, proposed boards, but I decided, you know what, screw it, because I picked him up at the start of the year. I said, screw it, I'm going to get back in on him. Um, Changed it to my first pick. Super happy with that. I had Smith Rowe the entire time. I just didn't expect him to get to me. Um... But yeah, I thought well, Barnes had been playing like had been playing, um, hadn't been playing very well. But I knew they were they had been tinkering with formation, so I said, well, maybe they can find something that suits him a bit better. Um, apparently, they have because they got a win, and that is him on the bench. So it worked out great. All right, so I, I know I would, if I could find space in my mids, I'd be very tempted to look at Buendia. So that may not last too long on the free agent while we'll see how that goes. Um, next, of course, is the famous one I referenced earlier, where Nate tried to drop Firmino for Huang. Um, lucky that didn't pay off uh, for him. Uh, there was a series of backup trades then, 
And then the only other one that went through was myself and I dropped uh, Remain Sace from Wolves and brought in Dave's old favourite, Fearpo from Leeds, um, <laughs> which, of course, uh, uh, Dave has passed on his curse because Fearpo was out <laughs> injured and Dave's proceeding to do some unmentionable things at the moment. Um, Fearpo got injured at least and didn't play at all, so I was able to bring in an auto-sub. Um, and say scored for Wolves. So thanks, Dave, for the curse there. Um, That's okay. And I only... think Firpo got eight points or something in the week that he was out of my team and out of your team. So, yeah, the curse. <laughs> yep. yep, Dave, curse continues. And the only other one was a free agent trade that must have been done a bit later uh, that we already kind of referenced as well with Jeff dropping Mings and bringing in Veltman. And I'm sh pretty certain Jeff tearing his hair out with two minutes short of the shutout that we just referenced. So other than that, the only other trade that was offered was uh, the one we just talked about with Dan temporarily probably offered me those players. Um, I would have said no to that. So uh, whether or not it was accidental or whether or not he changed his mind, doesn't really matter. And for Jeff's trade, Wambasaka Pazpilicueta, we're looking at Wambasaka has scored 19 points so far and it's just off the back of a negative one with Manchester United going to a horrible run of fixtures. And Azpilicueta has scored 42 points and Chelsea is about to go into a really good run of fixtures. So my answer, like I'm pretty certain Jeff would have known already, I think he's just trolling the podcast at this point. My answer is, of course, no. So that's the trades for this week. Um, ill reviewed. Very good. And uh, there's probably a few uh, trades in the background that we'll talk about as we maybe go through the league and and talking about what uh, how our teams are going. But um, yeah, good wrap up, Gilby. Thanks for doing that. And some interesting, interesting waiver wire action. I think there might be some more this week as well. Everyone seems to be really getting into the the waivers and and trying to find extra points for their team, which I think is really good. So um, what we will do is have a look at the league. Now, the top manager who has been the top manager this whole time is still the top manager, and that is Gilby. Well done, sir. You scored 53 points this week for a grand total of 420 points all up. Now, Gilby, I'm just having a quick look at, at your team. I must say... For a good day, I was in front of you by two points in total. So I was leading. I was number one, uh, but I was obviously very disappointed to to find a Bamiyang score this morning, which has has lifted you. Uh, which you know, fantastic for you. I see your bench, uh, all zeros for all three players uh, on your bench at this point in time. So your your starting team has done the job. Uh, and I'll also just mention that in terms of round week, you've come third, I think, total points for the round. So, you know, your team is still up there. They're still doing good things. Ooh, are you... I th I, ooh, Rashford. Let's talk about Rashford because you've held him the entire time. Um, and he's he's come back and he, he didn't start, but he came off the bench. And what, what happened, Gilby? What did he do for you? Yeah, no, he's come back with a goal. Um, I thought he might be a chance to play. Um, and I thought if he does play, I'll probably want him um, ahead of some of the other um, players I could have picked, like a new DCL was going to miss. Um, 
I knew that um, if he did play maybe off the bench, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to give him a shot. Um, I'd be prepared to take the risk on him getting a one-point appearance. And yeah, I mean, coming back with a goal is really good signs. Um, I'm thinking Manchester United's best team is still with him in it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm really happy across the board. Only one I really disappointed in was um, Antonio, who is still the top-scoring striker, but his only contribution this week was a yellow card for simulation. So uh, that was not a great start for me to the round. But yeah, I mean, really happy that I could come back and get enough points to hold you off again for another week. Are you going to keep holding on to Saar, given he plays for Watford and we are absolute <laughs> trash and our fixtures are also absolute trash? Well, interesting one I saw was um, if when I looked at the average positions of Watford, Saar was the most advanced of Watford's players. Yeah, he was and he actually played central. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like I've said since the start, um, I've always had a soft spot for the main men of mid to weak, uh, t- weaker teams, um, because if they do score points, it's going to be around them. Um, so I mean, I- I'm pretty keen to hold Saar for now. If I do look at bringing in any midfielders, like my my favourite from the start of the season was going to be Buendia, but do look at bringing in anyone. It may well be Saar that takes the bullet. Um, but uh, at the moment, I'm not seeing a clear upgrade there because I think he's going to be Watford's main man. Yeah, and any time, I mean, we've all known this for many, many years, any time you can get a midfielder playing as a striker, um, that's just gold. Um, what I will say about that, though, is it was obviously um, Ranieri's first match. Um, formation was just all over the shop for some reason. He went to three at the back with wing backs, and I'm certain that I'm not certain. I'm fairly certain that there's going to be another formation change. Um, he's obviously very new in the job, um, still getting to know the players. Um, that's not to say that Saar won't remain playing as a centre forward, he definitely can do that. Um, but I think his best position is wide on the right. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long he is left in that centre striker role. I actually thought Watford might be primed for one of Ranieri's like um, most successful formations, which was the Leicester 4-4-2. Um, so I think that may be what they look at. And if he does, um, I think Saar would be good as either the more withdrawn striker or playing Mahrez's role on the right. One of those two I'd be very happy with. Yeah, and he played the 4-4-2 with, um, was it Sampdoria that he was at last as well? So, yeah, I I think it was a surprise to everyone when he didn't start in a 4-4-2. Yeah, so, I mean, really, really happy with my team. And um, I think we will get to a goal-scoring midfielder or someone that we hope got was going to score goals when we look at uh, the next manager up, Isaac. Sterling? No, oh, not Sterling. Not <laughs> no, a goal-scoring oh. midfielder. Mm. Oh, sorry, a different one. Yep, okay, sweet. Before we move on, though, I did want to backtrack on my statement around uh, Yuri Tielemans. I I was very critical of you, Gilby, when you picked him up so early in the draft, yet he has been incredible and picking up very good points for you. So I don't know how close you were to dropping him at one point. I'm not sure if, if you were just pulling the wool over our eyes, but um, look, he's been fantastic. He looks so good when, when he plays. And, you know, even though he's sort of playing 
when you look at the formation as they sort of put it on the screen as a one of the defensive sort of uh, midfielders, he's he's getting up the pitch and he's linking plays. He's he's getting those good balls in and now he's scoring goals. So he's been fantastic. Yeah, I did consider um, probably about three or four weeks back, I did consider it because um, he hadn't really done as much as I was hoping and Leicester had, had a few good fixtures. But yeah, I mean, really happy I held on to him. Um, I would only, like I was only considering at the time, I've always liked T elements. I was only considering at the time because I thought at the time there was a couple of really good upgrades that I was surprised were available. And I thought, yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah, really happy I held on to him. Mm. I've had him in my fantasy draft teams before he's been excellent i've always enjoyed having him and when Leicester were playing well and at least getting clean sheets you know he would be getting three points minimum so he's he's a good one to have in your in your squad most definitely uh okay so second place on in the league uh nine points behind gilby i've been able to catch up to him by a point um so 54 points this game week for me um only nine points behind um, some really good performances this week. Uh, probably the, the standout, one of the standouts for me was Mendy uh, for Chelsea, who had a lot of work to do versus Brentford, especially in the second half. He basically kept them in that game. He was outstanding. And um, I, I'm really glad that I picked him up, to be fair. So, you know, Mendy for me we had a had a fantastic game week. Funny you should say that with Mendy because it kind of worked the other way for you. You're, I think you have Embuemo, you do, Isaac? I do, yes. Yep. Um, well, I had a look at it. Embuemo, in that match, he hit the woodwork for the fifth and sixth time so far this season. And no other player in the English Premier League has more than one. So it could have been so much better for you with Embuemo so far this season, even in that match alone. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you get bonus points for that, don't I? Yeah, I I don't think you do. Um, oh, I'll be oh. I'll be happy I'll be happy to protest that if you do. Um, because I need every point I can hold on to to hold you off again. <laughs> but yeah, that's a really frustrating from Waymo. And I mean, Brentford continue their really good form. Yeah, and they've got good fixtures coming up. So I'm glad I brought him into my team. He does look like a a, a good shout to pick up points. Um, for me as well, if I look at my team, Mane scored the first goal. V, v Watford did really well. Um, Greenwood scored a cracker of a goal. Um, I I have been considering sort of shipping Greenwood on and moving him along, but I get the feeling that if he's still scoring goals, he's probably still going to be in the starting team unless they're looking for a uh, a different sort of structural ta- change to how they set up. If they're looking to maybe um, change their their style of pressing or, or change change how they aim up to different teams, but still scoring me good points. Ing scored a goal for Villa. That was excellent. So that was his first attacking return in a fair few weeks. Ian Archo got me some points as well, which I was very appreciative of. Um, The disappointing one for me, and I would have benefited greatly, is if uh, Walker started, actually played, because they got a shutout. Um, And Diaz as well. Um, He only came on for the last 18 minutes. So that would have been nice if both of those players, who are generally starters, but they played the Champions League um, this just the other day. Um, if they both started, my 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 score would have been even better. So, you know, I, I can't be too disappointed, but it was a bit of a shame that those guys didn't start. So overall, pretty happy, happy with, with how I'm shaping up at the moment. Um, 
there'll no doubt be a bit of tinkering here and there. Um, I'm keeping Bamford, who's injured. Rudiger didn't play because he's injured, but hopefully he'll be back soon. I'm definitely not going to get rid of him because he's integral for Chelsea in their defense. Um, so, you know, so far, so far, so good, I think. I'm pretty happy overall. I think with Mbwemo, uh, he's hit the post or the crossbar like six times already this season, something ridiculous. Um, but yeah, again, we just spoke about Saar. Anytime you've got a midfielder playing high up the park, that's just fantasy gold. Um, yeah, if I was in your position, I would just be hanging out for the day that it all comes up, trumps from Buemo. Big raps on him. He's playing well. And yeah, they, they're going to go in sooner or later. The beauty of a podcast is that um, sometimes people people leave to go and do something and and miss other people saying things very similar to what have just been mentioned. So, um, Dave, just for your knowledge, Gilby did mention hitting the post six times. Um, yeah, but, excellent. But but the point you bring up is very um, is very true. Um, I think with their fixtures that have coming up. He's going to have some really good games. But the thing that does trouble me is that I did the same thing with Traore in waiting for him to actually do something. And he hit the post a couple of times, at least once. Um, but I think Mbwemo is a bit different. I think Brentford's a bit different. They're a much better side. They should have... It was a great game. They, play, they played like they were the top team in the Premier League, playing a lower team in that last, you know... 30 minutes chasing the game because they, you know, got 1-0 down early on. They looked so good and they troubled Chelsea so much. So, you know, Mendy had a cracker, but yeah, Brentford looked the goods. They look fantastic. Uh, let's move on to third place. Now, there's been a bit of a change. Uh, Nathan Nathan has leapt into third place with a, a total of 61. And we've already mentioned that, you know, that is da- definitely down to um, Firmino coming into his side. Now, if we have a bit of a look at his team, his first-round draft pick, De Bruyne, is now paying dividends. 11 points this game week. Um, he's coming into his own. Um, he got some points from Regulon, Laporte, Matip, and Cancelo. So all of his backline picked up points. Um, so his backline is looking pretty decent at this point in time, which is good for him. Um, he's going to have an issue with Decore. I just I saw... Uh, just leading into the podcast that Decore has gone in for foot surgery, I believe. So he's going to be out for a, a period of time. So Nathan will we'll have to make a bit of a, a waiver trade there. So we're interested to see what he does. Um, but overall, he Nathan is doing pretty well. He's been able to get some good points recently, jump into third, um, chasing down myself and Gilby. He's still a fair few points off. Um but guys, you might be shocked to hear that Nathan's pretty into this at the moment. He's uh, he's he's really gunning for definitely Gilby, um, and we might mention a little bit later down a few podcast time why he's gunning for Gilby. Um, it was meant to appear in a different podcast, but it, it didn't make the cut, unfortunately. Um, but believe it or not, Nathan did did some stats and and let me in on a few interesting stats that I thought I'd was share. Was he drunk really again? Well, um, no, I don't think so. It was during the. Does it it was during the day. Player, does it like which bum cheek he's listening to this week? No, no, definitely not. Um, so really quickly, he just he just wanted to know how he was tracking com- in comparison to myself and you, Gilby, because obviously that's who he's chasing now. He's sort of he's figured he's got Mick now. 
Um, because <laughs> there is a bit of a points difference. Sorry, Mick, uh, which we'll get to. But he just he recognized that he had a couple of really bad weeks at the at the start, and that's where Gilby, you know, you really got a good lot of points, and myself as well. So he said, "Well, if I take out those two first weeks where I did really crap and Gilby did really well, um, he." found that in the last six game weeks, Gilby, you've averaged 44 points and he has averaged 48 points. So he's, he's, you know, he's sort of onto knowing that, okay, my team is doing really well. I'm, I, I, I feel like I can chase down, um, chase down the guys at the top. So he's, he's sort of looking and seeing where his next lot of points can come from. So he can continue that chase. Well, given that I'm teaching my year eight maths class statistics at the moment, and we're talking about outliers from the mean, I'm going to say that right now, uh, his team is an outlier from the mean, and I'll be returning to the mean fairly soon, particularly given that his king of the game week 20 points came from a player he tried to get rid of and put on his bench. So I'm still pretty confident that I've got Nate's measure. So everyone, just hang out, because at some point over the next few days, Gilby would have done up a nice little box plot and we'll mm. send it out to the Twitter account of where everyone, uh, where everyone's 20th and 80th percentiles are and we'll, <laughs> we'll highlight Nathan's outliers. Thanks for that, Gilby. Thanks for offering to do that for us. Hopefully uh, Gilby won't miss that, you know, his first t- two game weeks are outliers of his mean as well. So, you know, swings and roundabouts really. Rather than dumping Gilby in it, um, proverbially, that's now homework for you students. They can do up the box plots on his behalf. I know. Us. I know exactly which what what, what data he's going to be presenting his students uh, tomorrow. To be fair, I would do the same. Yeah. The only problem is uh, there's a few items in the chat and team names and other things that I'm pretty certain that a few Catholic school parents might not want to see. Um, so that would be the only issue that I may be on the front page of the Courier Mail on Friday. It's all right. No one reads that crap anyway. Schools schools love it when they're on the front page of the Courier Mail, don't they? That's what I've heard. <laughs> well, given Catholic schools' re- uh, record in the past, I really don't think we want to go down that path. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Um, now, coming to fourth place, dropping down one is Jeff. Uh, 51 points for the game week. He is now a few points uh, behind Nathan, um, seven points to be exact. So 51 points still for the game week is a, a pretty decent return. Obviously, the majority of those points come from Salah and Vardy. Uh, he tried to drop Bernardo at one point. Luckily, he didn't because uh, Bernardo came into his squad uh, came into his starting 11, um, got himself 11 points. We've spoken about Veltman for zero, he, but he had Duffy for five. He had Van Dyke for six. So, you know, he was able to score a fair few points. I'm sure he was hoping Mares would get more points than he did, uh, given that he was able to get a start. Cash was on his bench. So, um, you know, 51 points for the game, which isn't a bad shout. So Jeff is, is going along nicely, but has dropped a position this week. Yeah, I mean, Salah is now 27 points clear of any other player in FPL. It's his fifth 
double-digit haul so far of the season, and he's 37 points ahead of his record-breaking season in 2017 and 18 with um, Liverpool again. So, I mean, if he continues on this sort of trend, it's going to be the best-ever FPL season by some distance. So the only thing that may get in his way is obviously going to be from now until the end of the year. Liverpool pretty much play twice a week with Champions League and obviously the EPL picking up fixtures over December. And then, of course, the African Cup of Nations in January. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they balance that and maybe look at rotation. But, I mean, at the moment, as many plenty of people identified, he's playing like the best player in the world. Mm, oh, absolutely. No doubt about that. So that's that's definitely helping Jeff. Um, the the thing with Jeff will be whether he can you know find points elsewhere to to help boost his scores and 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 you know try and stake a claim in the top one or two. Um, moving to fifth uh, is Dave now. Dave fifty two points for the round, so you've been able to catch Jeff by one. You're not too far behind, only six points behind. Uh, run us through your team, Dave. How did you how did you get on this week? Uh, what are your problem areas? Are you you must be pretty happy with that many points this week, though. Yeah, um, I actually had a bit of a chat to Jeff um, either Monday or Tuesday, basically saying, you know, how is it that you can be stoked um, one week with getting 30-odd points and then be still kind of disappointed with getting over 50 um, down the track? So... There's obviously a high scoring round for a lot of people. Um, I don't know about you guys, but after every set of fixtures, I was logging in and trying to work out who had how many players left to go and where I was sitting in the rankings because I was pretty pleased with myself. Mm-hmm. I did the same. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Martinez did nothing for me, got uh, just the one point in goals, and unfortunately I had Fabianski on the bench for six um, but that was really my only misstep. Other than that, I'm pretty happy. So shutouts for my three defenders, Christensen, Robertson, TAA, um, all with the shutouts. So that was good. Um, Son got me uh, nine points. Sushek, um, Cleek and Odegaard, nothing much to speak about there. Just three, two and two between them. Um, Wilson was back from his injury, scored a goal, eight points. Um Eduard came in, scored a goal, seven points. Uh, and Ivan Tony, only the two. But um, yeah, as we said, between him and Mbwemo and the way Brentford are playing, I'm incredibly happy with uh, his performances. And I'm sure that he'll start banging them into the back of the net. Um, the only other one of note was um, Liveramento was on my bench for six. Um, But, I mean, I don't consider that a misstep given the fact that I played Christensen, Robertson and TAA. Um, Grealish was rotated as many of the Man City players were. Um, But, yeah, pretty pleased with that week as a whole. Gilby? Yeah, no, the only real upgrade I can see in your team at the moment is Cleek in um, midfield. Um, so that's the only one because at the moment he plays very defensively for Leeds and Leeds have not been going well. So that would be probably the only upgrade I can see for you there. Um, are you looking at any other transfers or is Cleek what you're probably looking at in the next few weeks? I'm not entirely stoked with Odegaard. He's still not getting full game minutes, but 
Um, as we mentioned, the Arsenal fixtures are reasonable coming up, so I'll probably hold him. Um, yes, Cleek I brought in recently, and he's definitely one that I'm looking to move out. Even though the Leeds fixtures have been good, they just haven't been taking full advantage, so there's no point keeping him. Um, I have not really had a look at who I'm likely to bring in yet. Um, but yeah, I'll probably be looking to shift him. Yeah, very nice. I think um, the one for me, like Liveramento is a, is a favorite in the normal fantasy game at the moment, given his price and the fact that he's been playing pretty well in Southampton have been defending fairly well. Um, so, you know, the, uh, the only opportunity I see there was that maybe you could have him in for someone like Cleach and played four, four at the back, for example, pick up a few more points, but, you know, can understand your your thoughts on, on maybe not doing that. So, yeah, like like you, Dave, I'm very much the same. I'm always in checking scores, seeing how uh, I'm going. And, you know, I was pretty excited when I was, I was two points up on Gilby, but I knew that he had players to play um, and attacking players to play as well. So um, sometimes that can... That can that can stuff your well laid plans. So yeah, I think oh yeah, obviously I was doing that, and I was quite pleased with where I was sitting after the first um, day. But yeah, that was quickly um, kiboshed when I saw who everyone still had to play. Yeah. Um, I think just one thing for me, uh, I think the balance of my team is really quite good. There's definitely not one or two players that I'm just relying on week in, week out to get me all those points. Um, that in itself is something I need to think about for the redraft whenever we do that because um, it's always nice to just have that one banker each week. Um, but yeah, I think I've got pretty good balance across the board. There's not too many clear and obvious weak points. Yeah, no, fair enough. And um, look... The middle of the table is, is quite tight. The top two in the table, quite tight. But the bottom three in the table, there's a bit of a gap, you know, and, and it's getting tight there as well. Now, Mick, sixth place, um, 33 points this week, Mick. And uh, Ben's been able to sort of get a little bit of ground. You've lost ground to Dave in fifth. Uh, mate, what happened? Where, where, did, where did it go wrong? Can, can you just uh, save us time and cut and paste last week's? I don't think I need to go through this every week, do I? Well, um, well, you've got a new name that you can talk about at least. Yeah, yeah last week well, you didn't have Chilwell. Even... So if you didn't have Chilwell this week, tell us how that would have gone for you. Okay, we'll go back four weeks because I had him then and he did nothing. Um, but he did something but, this week, Mick. Well, yeah, he got 15 it's, points. but It's like half of your minutes. total. Oh, it's just... Honestly, the only saving grace is there's two guys doing worse than me and that's impressive. Because my team's shit. Um, I, I just, just how yeah. shit? Just how shit, Mick? I, I don't think there's words. I don't. I honestly don't know if there's words. Um, Are you still trying to hulk off Ronaldo to somebody? Um. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just straight up. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, no one wants him. So. Well, that's the thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll give you yep. Bamford. Well, it's tempting. I mean, he's injured, but I'll give him to you. Hey, he's probably going to score as many points. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll my later. team. I mean, Sterling was my third top scorer this week with three. Oh, no. I mean, uh, 
Yeah, there's nothing to say really. When when four of your five backs combine for four points, um, and my defense is supposedly one of the stronger parts of my team, uh, it's not not going well. And when Watkins is, I think he might have got an assist, um, but he also got a yellow card, so ruled a bit out there. Fornells did nothing for West Ham. Havertz, well, apparently is a better Ch- uh, German player than he is a Chelsea player. Sterling, he I was got hoping, three. Yeah, he got three points. He yeah, played, he played ninety minutes. He did. Hey. Yep. Um, which I expected him to do an international break and. You wouldn't believe it. I don't think he really got a game there either. I think he got um, one of the two. It's actually um, a terrible thing that he played 90 minutes for you, Mick, because yeah. as we've all seen, it was Pep rotation week. So the fact that mm-hmm. he was playing 90 would indicate that he's not in Pep's first 11. Yep. I'm, I'm well aware of that. I think we all knew he wasn't in the first 11. Did we need that to be confirmed? No, I just I mean, the to fact say that it. every question... Well, I mean... You, you might have needed it confirmed before you picked him with your first draft pick. Well, I mean, towards the end of last year, he was playing. Same, so was Havertz. Havertz had an unbelievable... He kicked the Champions League winner. He scored the goal to win it. And now they're playing Timo up top. So did Mario Goetzart, to be fair, and then didn't really do too much. A little bit different when you score it for your national team compared to your club team, but he won the Champions League for Chelsea and now can't get a game for Chelsea. It's I don't know, I yeah mid season draft. I just ten weeks, nine weeks. I can't wait. I think the thing that killed you this week as well is that the person who's likely to be your top scorer this year, Rafinha, didn't play. So that that's always going to hurt you when arguably your best player, who's going to score you the most points in the year. Is isn't playing in a game week? That's always a bit rough. So, yeah. Okay. So, so who goes out this week? Just like, oh, sorry, sorry, Dave. Yeah, and this might actually play into that. Sorry, Isaac. Oh, um, I just wanted to ask Gilby because obviously you're the Man U fan in the house. Um, I haven't seen as much of them this season as you no doubt would have. Tell me about Shaw. Is he just playing a way more or a way less attacking? Um, role than he has and is that as a result of the likes of Ronaldo coming in Shaw's not bombing up the wings as much and putting in crosses or um, is that still happening he's just not getting results yeah no it's it's just a mess at the moment we haven't really looked like we have much of a plan of much of anything other than relying on some star players to pull us out of a hole Um, and we've been just not good at all lately. But yeah, sure. Uh, his statistics were uh, like uh, very good um, as far as like delivering balls into the box sorts of stuff, particularly uh, just before Ronaldo started playing for them. And as he started playing for them, I think at one point I tried to offer Mick um, as Poliquetta or maybe one of my other defenders for sure, because I had looked at the statistics and I did really like his statistics and obviously Man United bias as well. Um, I think that, if we can sort it out at the back, well, he is worth a definite um, look. But, I mean, without Varane and playing Maguire injured, it looked like Ole doesn't have any faith in Eric Bailly at all and even less faith in Phil Jones. Um, well, possibly for good reason there. But anyway, um, defensively, we just looked horrible. Um, yeah. So, he, he, he at the moment, 
particularly given the fixtures coming up for Manchester United, unless he delivers an assist to Ronaldo, he isn't really going to get any clean sheet points. So that's going to be a big risk. Yeah, so you've just slated the entire Man U defence, which is fair enough. Um, obviously, at the start of the show, I slagged off on Danny Rose, but at least Danny Rose didn't cost us $80 million like Maguire. Yeah, no, that's going to go down as a massive overpayment. Um, but as always, like Manchester United were playing attacks for being Manchester United and for an Englishman. So, I mean, that's always going to happen. There are plenty of examples of people overpaying for English players um, all around the league. But, yeah, that one was that was a bad one. So, moral of the story, Mick, is maybe you want, might want to ship Shaw. Shaw's not my issue. I'm going to I mean, put that out there right one, now. He's one of many issues. On behalf of Mick, though, Gilby, could I just ask, are you still willing to put up Azpilicueta for Shaw? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, Mick, I tried. Yep. <laughs> oh, Mick looks so dejected. <laughs> oh, no. It's beautiful. <laughs> oh, okay, Mick, let's let's help you out a little bit. So, if I look at your team, I'm thinking Macau goes. I'm thinking Barnes goes. I would bite the bullet and get rid of Havertz, to be fair. You, you could say my entire team. Well, I'm not going I, to I, because you've got I, good I players I legitimately there. think I could drop 10 of my 15 and finish with a better team. Do it. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's not going to be a competitive team. It may be better, but it won't be competitive. And that's what I need to try and work out. So, What the, you're going to have to rely on is dropping one or, two, one or two players a week and hoping that other people drop people into the waiver wire that become available that are upgrades but that's going to be a slow burn and that might get you through until the mid-season draft but it's even harder yeah. when i'm not actually first picked though so even if that does happen i still don't even get i'm not doing shit enough to do that but i'm not doing good enough to actually threaten so yeah um is it I bank on the cards I'll, I'll keep looking through things and I'll see what I can come up with. Well, I I'll would suggest, that. given that our old friend Dan has shown he really likes Chelsea players, I would suggest possibly offering him Havertz for maybe a Sancho or a Trossard or a Bowen. Um, whether or not he'd look at that, I don't know, but he has shown he likes some Chelsea players. So, I mean, out of his entire mids, like Saka's picked up an injury now. Um, I mean... There's, there's no one that's like an obvious clear upgrade, but I don't think you are going to get many bite takers for habits other than potentially maybe Dan. So that could be something you might be able to look at. I've just sent him a message already before we started this conversation and there is a trade offer on the table. I'm expecting it to get completely thrown back in my face, but I figure if I'm going to make a trade with anyone, it's the guys who also need to make a change to their team. So it may be a case of one of us completely screws it but I guess it's better to do that now and be able to save a bit of face maybe at pre-season, uh, mid-season draft rather than do it after and just completely be gone. So I, I've, while there hasn't been a lot of action trade-wise, I feel like, particularly from my point of view, I may be pushing it a little bit more here. Uh, I just got to actually try and work out where I'm willing to give up and how much I'm willing to give up for a risk. So. Well, let's move on quickly and look at Ben and Dan and, and how their teams are going. But I think there might be a few trades maybe we can discuss at the back end once we've spoken about those managers because I, I, 
I've been uh, offered a couple of trades and I have offered a couple of trades. So let's leave those till the end. But let's look at Ben. Ben has moved up into seventh place. 38 points in the in the game week. Uh, he's caught Mick a little bit. 297 points uh, in total. Uh, look, the, the majority of, of Ben's points has have sort of come from uh, Foden with six points. Kane finally was able to uh, put his scoring boots on and got him 12 points, which I, I have no doubt he's quite happy with. Um, and then McCarthy with five points, Creswell with seven. And apart from that, everyone's either got ones, twos, or zeros in his team. And he's he had a bit of an issue with um, uh, Maguire coming in to his team for zero points for a player, Zahar, who also got zero points because he didn't play. So 38 points in the game week when it's a high-scoring sort of game week isn't fantastic, but he's still been able and, to move up. And Maguire was probably stealing a living and lucky to get those zero points. I would I would tend to agree with you there, to be to be honest. Um, so, yeah, 38 points for, for Ben. Now, his team has definitely improved. Um, I know that he's been tempted or been looking at some offers from people who have been maybe trying to get Kane from him, but Kane, hey, maybe Kane's coming good now. I don't know. Uh, so I don't know how willing he would be to maybe part with Kane at this point. I think, I know Kane's been the pretty big topic of uh, conversation regarding trade offers. And like I said last week, I think he said he's going to look at keeping him now. But, I mean, he just got 57% of his yearly points in one game. Um, I wouldn't exactly say Tottenham's turned a corner, but as a team, but the fact that Kane got a goal and an assist in a game where Sun still scored nine points, they look relatively settled in terms of their front formation with um, Lucas Moura, like Gilby said, being relatively nailed on. Um, they've got rid of Deli Alley as well. Maybe maybe they're coming good in terms of attacking-wise. So maybe their attacking options are suddenly a bit better. But um, yeah, defensively, maybe not still, but I reckon Harry Kane could do something for Ben here, which makes my need to do something even more relevant. Yeah, and I mean, in the past, Harry Kane has traditionally been a slow starter and famously has not scored a goal in August for a few seasons now, I think it is. I think he did last year, but I think that was the first time in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, admittedly this year, it has taken him a fair bit longer than most people would have expected and hoped for. Um, But yeah, I mean, the underlying statistics have not been good at all. But, yeah, I mean, this was something like the old Harry Kane. And in a really good sign, it looked like, as Mick was already saying, that him and Son did play well together, uh, which was really a highlight for them last season. So, I mean, here's hoping for Ben's sake that that continues. Absolutely. And and someone else we need to be hoping where there's some points being picked up is Dan. Dan's on the bottom of the table. Um, only picked up 21 points this game week. So he's he's been leapfrogged by Ben. Um and again, not too much to write home about. The only person who really gets some significant points for, for Dan is Bowen. Um, he had Chalabar on his bench for six. Bowen got six, who was in his team. But everyone else was zeros, ones, or twos, unfortunately. Lukaku, who has, who has got good fixtures, um, hasn't really been scoring any goals at this point in time, although Brentford is a tough team. Um, so uh, I know and we'll talk about it shortly, but I know uh, Dan has been very active in trying to make some trades so he can try and change his luck a little bit and get a few more points. Yeah, no, just speaking about Lukaku, I had a look at his stats because I 
was pretty certain that he hadn't really had much of an impact lately. And over the last four game weeks, he has had one big chance and one effort on target and no goals. So, I mean, a lot of people were debating, do you bring in Lukaku? Do you bring in Ronaldo? They went for Lukaku because of Chelsea's great fixtures. It has not worked out well for Lukaku at all. So whether or not that turns around, I don't know, like how, like Tuchel's kind of playing a little bit more with his back to goal and maybe a bit more of a focal point. So whether or not that helps him or not, I don't know. But I mean, Dan's going to need Lukaku to turn around his form pretty quick. Uh, something I've seen in, in regards to the media is Lukaku's come out and said he plays his best football when he's facing the goal. So what you just said in terms of the way they're set up doesn't suit him, and he's come out and said that. Um, the other thing more recently is I think you know, in the last couple of days, Tuchel's come out and said that Lukaku, if you look at his uh, workload over the last X amount of time, has been very high. He's played a lot of football. So I reckon there's a decent chance here that he gets rested in the next couple of weeks maybe particularly with Champions League on the horizon. Um, I haven't looked specifically at fixtures there, but Timo, maybe in Jeff's team, um, is looking like a very, very good pickup right now. And Jeff's bold prediction last week that Timo will outscore Harry Kane. Um, you never know. If, if Lukaku starts getting rotated a little bit, I still think he's going to be the main striker and start 90% of games, but it depends what happens in those 10% that he doesn't play. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, just quickly, sorry, I... After I stick, stuck up for Dan and said he picked Chalaba, he left him his third spot on the bench. What's the point of picking up a one-week transfer and then not putting him there? And then instead he has Reese James, who we know is a rotation risk, comes on for 1.1 minutes. So a bit of a strange one there. I'd have yeah, to agree I don't with try and I don't try and understand what Dan does. Sorry, can't help you. Oh, okay. So, guys, I think it's about time that we maybe chat about some of the trades that have been trade offers that have been going on. I've got a couple here that I'll talk about really quickly. Um, so, I think every man and his dog has been trying tried over the last couple of weeks to get Kane from Ben. So, I too put forward a, a trade offer to get Kane. So, I proposed Ings and Greenwood for Kane and Ward Prowse. That was my trade offer. Um, I'd love to hear your boys' thoughts on that. But Ben said, I think it's one of the better offers that he's actually received. But again, at that point in time, I think he was pretty keen to try and keep Kane. Um, so that that's the that's the one I put through. I thought that was a pretty competitive one. But um, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you boys think. You had more chance of getting Kane than you did Ward-Prowse. Ward-Prowse is a Ben favourite. What, what do you mean? You're never going to get him from there. I know. The idea being that Ward-Prowse is actually not able to play for the next couple of game weeks. So I was trying to sweeten the deal by taking a player that wasn't actually going to play as well as Kane um, for two players. I've got Sterling in that sense. (laughs) (laughs) If you want a player that doesn't play, I've got two of them. Yeah, but Ward-Prowse is going to come back and play and actually score some points. That being the difference. Sorry, Mick. I thought I would have been closer with with Aubameyang for Kane. Um, I thought that would have been pretty close. Straight swap. yeah, I offered him a straight swap last mm-hmm. week, um, which he denied. So I feel like Aubameyang's burnt him before. I think I Ben think, remembers uh, well, those sorts of things. I think well, Aubameyang's fam- probably burnt everyone before. <laughs> well, fa- famously, Dan, a couple of seasons ago, took him with the number three selection right. in the draft, and he was his main player, and then proceeded to not do much of anything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, interesting to I see he was a how Kane well. goes. 
he yeah. was a midfielder back in that uh, in that time. So yeah, interesting one. See how Kane goes in the next few weeks. See how that offer mm. would have been uh, accepted. Yeah. So that that's the that's what I put forward to Ben. I thought that was a pretty competitive sort of offer that maybe worked for both of us. Um, you know, we'll wait and see how it plays out. But um, you know, I, I think that one's sort of off the table for Ben at the moment. Um, the other ones for me that I I've been a part of. Um, today, Dan made an offer or a trade proposal to me. I'll just grab it here. Um, he proposed um, that he would trade Reese James and Jared Bowen for Kyle Walker and Mbuemo from me. So that's, that's the trade that he proposed. And I said to him, interesting, I would think about it. Um, and I must say, it seems like a, a fairer trade than some of the other ones that I've heard, um, on, on face value. So Cole Walker and Buemo leaving my team and I'd be picking up Reese James and Jared Bowen. What's your thoughts boys on, on that particular one? Uh, if I was you, I wouldn't do it. But one thing f- that is of interest there is that Dan's not, um, feeling like he needs to keep on holding um, Bowen and we just mentioned that maybe that was someone that Mick might be able to do a bit of a trade for for an upgrade of his midfield so yeah that's the interesting thing there for me but yeah I think if I was in your position Isaac I probably wouldn't be moving on that it's a close call for me, but I would say no as well. Uh, for me, Embuemo has looked too good to be able to give up. That's the main sticking point for me. Um, other than that, I mean, you can maybe make an argument. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I rate Embuemo pretty highly given his performance. Uh, surely one of those ones are going to go in eventually off the post. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the sticking point for me there. Mm. Yeah, you, you might be right there. I might... Could, I could counter offer with something else, with someone else from my squad, squad potentially. I've got a few players there. But, um, yeah, no, interesting thoughts, boys, on that one. Um, the other one was, and this doesn't involve me, but um, Dan sort of said to me um, that he sent one to Nathan. Um, and just at the time, Nathan happened to be over at my place. Um, so I'd already spoken to Nathan about this. He offered Nathan Sancho and Lukaku for Jimenez and De Bruyne. So I'll say it again. Sancho and Lukaku for Jimenez and De Bruyne. So what do we think, boys? That probably very, requires a fair bit of consideration. Very, very effect- tempting. I'm yeah. shocked Dan is willing to give up Lukaku. Um, that's James and Lukaku, two Chelsea players. Yeah. He's, 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 he's trying to get rid well, of. Well, James, uh, James, I'm not shocked by at all. Like that's like if, if he plays, he's good points, but he doesn't play often enough. But Lukaku and De Bruyne is more or less kind of a straight swap, I suppose, in terms of value. Um, so yeah, that's 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 worth a lot of thinking, I think. I I personally have De Bruyne above Lukaku based on m- more recent. Yeah, I realise De Bruyne's only been back for a game and a half, but Man City are Man City, De Bruyne, and they're a better team when he's in it. So they've been beating teams without him. When they put him back in there, they're better again. Um, And then the other half of that, Sancho, I just, I don't see why anyone would want to take Sancho. I don't see any 
one of our managers improving their squads with Sancho in it. I could swap him for Sterling and I'd be getting effectively the same player from a worse team. So I personally, I see that as a double downgrade from Nathan's <clears> perspective. <throat> so I don't disagree with his, I assume disagree his decision to turn it down. I haven't seen any trades go through, so I'm assuming he rejected that one. Uh, look, I think he did. I think he did reject it. Um, but, you know, Dan's obviously keen to to change his team up to make something happen. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think that I think if Lukaku was looking a bit better, um, then maybe you might think about it. But you've got to think over the course of the season, Lukaku is going to be scoring. But yeah, it's a it's a tough one. But they're the ones that I've sort of heard about, boys. I don't know if you guys have heard heard of any others at this point in time that you'd like to be will be willing to share. I promised you that I'd have a think about um, Kyle Walker for Robbo. Oh, that's right. And yeah. I thought about it, and the answer's no, but I just want to go back again to something that Mick was talking about when he was talking about his team. He realises that he'll he's only really going to have leverage with someone around the same spot in, his ta- in the table as he is kind of of a similar vein I'm fairly content with my team so I don't feel the need to do a trade unless I feel I'm getting upside I'm really unlikely to do a trade if it's near 50-50 that's just me personally it's not interesting for the pod doesn't create (laughs) excitement um but yeah that's that's where i'm at with that i mean it would have created excitement if you said yes to the trade dave so just just putting that out there so that's right thanks for being a killjoy but i'm glad that you considered it i do appreciate that um even if it was only a small thought in your uh otherwise very busy week much appreciated dave you're welcome sir Um, I've got one there as well. So we've spoken about my need to do things and people I could possibly trade with and that. And like I said, when we were going through my team, I had a look through and I put something together. And the more I look at it, the more I'm just like, yeah, that'd never go through. But we've seen it happen before and I've come out good for it. So I'm going to put it there and I've sent him a message and we'll see what happens. But So I've sent him a, a, a trade offer to Dan. Um Basically, everyone knows my plight is to try to get rid of some of my not playing midfielders using what bargaining chips I have, which is only Ronaldo. So you can guess who's on my side of it. So I've got Ronaldo and Sterling in there. Um, And I basically, and the way I actually came to this trade is I looked through what I want is I would love a decent to premium midfielder. I know I'm not going to get a premium midfielder because I just don't have the assets to get that. So I'm looking for a playing midfielder with attacking upside to a mid-level to maybe like Europa League level kind of spots. That's what I'm ideally looking for. So what I did is I went through and I went, okay, how do I get that? I know I'm giving a shit mid that doesn't play, has no value, and an upside forward potentially with massive value. So let's go find the worst forward out of any team in our league. And we've spoken about it, and I found his name is Emmanuel Dennis from Watford. (laughs) So that's in Dan's team. So I said, okay, well, I'll give you Ronaldo. You give me Dennis. Gives me 
room in that trade to ideally upgrade my Sterling. So I put Jared Bowen. Now I looked at that and I was just like, that by itself, massive risk because Ronaldo scores a hat-trick and I look like an absolute idiot. So I said, well, Harvey Barnes, yes, he didn't play because of a formation change, but there's still potential upside there. So I threw him in there as well. And I was looking at Dan's other mids as to who I could get. Um, at the moment, I've thrown in Lucas Mura, which I don't think I think that's going to be too far the other way. But I've thrown it there as an opening to see where it's at. So the way it currently stands is I would be giving up Ronaldo, Sterling, and Harvey Barnes for Dennis, Lucas Mura, and Jared Bowen. So that's a trade-off that's out there at the moment. And I guarantee it won't be responded to until probably midday tomorrow at best. Um, but yeah, like you said, the few things to look at, uh, we know Dennis is worth nothing. Bowen is obviously somewhat on the chopping block. Um, and Lucas Moura would be a bit of an upgrade to my team at that he is playing. He's not free of risk for rotation um, from previous years anyway, but he's played a fair few minutes this year. And like I said before, Tottenham look like they're starting to get something together. So that that's my trade. Um, it'd be interesting to see if it's just a straight no, if it's a counter or what the go is there. But love to hear your thoughts. Well, if you are willing to consider giving up Ronaldo, um, I'm going to put together a couple of offers for you, Mick. So would you be interested in a striker swap or are you really looking at upgrading your mids? I need mids. The way I look at it, there's enough forwards. Forward depth is actually slightly bigger than I expected this year in terms of across the whole league. So I think even if I end up with an absolute, say a Bamford that is then ruled out for the entire season, I know I can at least get someone that's going to get me appearance points um, in there. And maybe I can play them against a Norwich, against a Newcastle, maybe not Newcastle as much anymore, but against a Norwich to get easy points and a possible uh, goal. But you look like a team like Norwich, for instance, Timu Piki, who is almost guaranteed 90 minutes every week, isn't in anyone's team. So... I, I don't, at this stage, want to upgrade or just do a straight swap. I, I need midfielders and I need playing midfielders. All right. So, because my only issue is my three strikers are pretty strong. So, in order to make the trade work, I'd have to give you one of my strikers. You'd have to give me one of yours. So, that would be the only thing I'm going to have to make work. But before before you say yes to... Dan's trade, um, I would, I am going to work on putting together an offer for you by tomorrow. I, I look forward to it. I'll have a look at it. Um, and I, that's exactly why I've looked through it and some of those, and I've looked for premium mids and I've said, well, I have nothing in return. Your mids, are, your forwards are too strong. There's just no way that I can work it. Um, and I've worked this out now that I actually, I, I do like my backline in terms of go forward value. It's quite good, I feel. We've, they're all fullbacks, actually all left backs again. We've made that joke before. But Tierney, Shaw, Markel, not so much. Um, Digne and I can't even remember the other one off the top of my head. Chilwell. Chilwell. Chilwell, yeah. F from four of the top six teams, um, or the original top four teams, six teams, sorry, four of their left backs, they all have potential for clean sheets and big potential for assists. Um, some of them are even on set piece as well. So really happy with those. But obviously, that's the strongest part of my team. While it may be strong in terms of value in to make a trade, they mean nothing because you can go out and get a Michael Keane who is basically a Digne 
with the occasional goal for nothing because he's currently on a waiver wire. So as much as I do like my defenders, they're just not worth anything. So I need to get rid of mids. I have a good forward. I need someone who doesn't, who has a crap forward, but has mids to give up. And I've looked at Dan's before and I wasn't overly impressed with his mids. Um, But I'm at the point now where, well, at least they're playing. So... What about a trade involving what we talked about ages ago back in this podcast? What about Bruno Fernandes? Is he the sort of standard we're looking or are you looking at at better? He would be around the standard. um, But, I mean, you've already slated how bad men you are, so it's not really a tempting thought right now. Talk yourself yeah, I mean, out of it, Gilby. I mean, no, he's on I pen mean, sometimes. If he's, <laughs> if he's looking at like a goal-scoring midfield that's going to play all the time, that's Bruno Fernandes down to the ground. Yeah. Um, oh, the logic of it, it's basically transferring a good forward into a good mid for the same potential attacking returns because it's from the same team. Um, penalties may be shared, so they're just as likely as each other. So there, there is merit in it. But the issue we're going to have is, like you said, your forwards are too strong that I'm going to get something else in return and we need to work out how that works. So there's some merit in it. It doesn't fill me with instant glee, but it's something to at least look at. Yeah. I mean, goal scoring mids currently on form. I've got Townsend. But you're going to balk at him? Like, come on. Uh that that yeah um yeah I'll, I'll pass on that one. All right. Um, what about? So I'm just looking at the rest of my mids. I'm not giving up Rashford for any price. So other than that, the other alternatives would be Tielemans, Siar, and Saar and Jota. Mick's got a champagne budget. Uh, what is it? Champagne diet on a beer budget? Is that what they say? Well, basically, yeah. I mean, I may have, uh, I'd have to come up with an analogy for it, but I, I mean, I don't mind Tillman's. I don't mind him. Leicester haven't set the world alight. The fact that they scored four goals, I think says more about United's defence. Neither has your entire team, Mick. Your entire team has <laughs> yeah. not set the world alight. They're basically Nothing on another has. planet at the moment. They're not even in this world. So, um, Sars okay, but... He's just a budget Rafinha. <laughs> That's it's basically what he is. Um, in saying that, Sterling's a budget Sar at the moment. So, yeah, we'll see. I, it might be even a case of maybe I have to wait till see what happens in Champions League early tomorrow morning, um, and then see what happens this weekend. And if Sterling gets more than fifteen minutes. Maybe all of this new talk about him or Sterling coming out and saying he's not happy. Maybe he's getting shopped around a little bit and might might get a few more minutes before the international. Oh, sorry, before the transfer window. So you never know. Um, but as you would have seen in the waivers, he was put up for sale, and Sterling was very close to getting dropped. He just didn't get processed because I'd already got the guy I wanted, who then also got zero points. So yeah. He's he's close to gone. He's very, very, very close to gone. 
Boys, is there any other trades that uh, you've you've heard or been a part of or would like to discuss at this point in time? No? Okay. Well, look, we've... It's, it's really interesting to see so many managers really, really trying to, uh, you know, better their squads, realizing who maybe they are best to trade with. We'll have to wait and see how it develops. I'm going to be interested to see how this uh, trade with potentially Dan or trade with potentially Gilby goes for you, Mick. So, look, best of luck. Uh, I, I do hope that you are able to get something out of it. That would be That would be good for you, good for the league. I've been trying to work on this analogy for Dave. His whole champagne budget, beer budget. It's like I'm in America right now and I've gone and ordered something from the shops, from a coffee maybe. I've got my coinage out and I've got the perfect amount and then they say the price with tax. That's what's happened. Gilby's just thrown in that extra forward that I just don't have the money to pay for. So that that's what happened. There's that little tax, that stupid tax that gets added on after. It's just it's stopping it at the moment. I just can't get that coffee. That was a shit analogy. <laughs> You're welcome. It's almost as shit as my team. Mm. Luckily, we've got so many listeners from the US who will understand that analogy that uh, it was definitely worthwhile. So that that's good. <laughs> Let's look at next week's fixtures. So we've got game week nine coming up. Quickly talk through the fixtures. Boys, our goal is to pick a particular fixture that we're interested in, that we think will be good for a number of reasons. It could be a, it could be fantasy points. It could just you know be something that you're interested to see, a team that you're interested to see play another team, depending on styles, all sorts of things. But guys, we want to pick one. And then, of course, mix multi at the end, which we uh, no doubt will uh, all, be, all be waiting for and salivating for and, and hoping that uh, Mick can, is able to make his money back. So... We start off the game week with Arsenal v Aston Villa. That's a, a an early game for us here in Australia. We then move to Chelsea versus Norwich. I think we can all sort of uh, agree what will probably happen there. Crystal Palace versus Newcastle. Uh, Everton versus Watford. Leeds versus Wolves. Southampton versus Burnley. Uh, Brighton versus Man City. Brentford versus Lenf- uh, Leicester. West Ham v Spurs. And then to round it all off, Man United versus Liverpool. So, boys, I don't know who's willing to jump in here, uh, but of those fixtures, who's who's interested to see what particular game and why? What what are we thinking, gentlemen? Brentford, Leicester. I seem to be going to Brentford every week, but they get to let me down. I agree, man. I think that's going to be a cracker of a game. Yeah, I think that'll be really good. I've got to stick with the Northwest Derby. Um, Manchester United hosting Liverpool. Um, it's a match with a lot of history. The only problem for me is I think it could get ugly at Old Trafford for us. Um, given the way we've defended and given the form Salah is in, um, that could well get ugly. Um, the only thing I'm thinking of is that I'm hoping the only way we can win that is by being equally high-scoring like a bet, basically adopting an approach of, okay, you're going to score, hopefully we'll score more. So, I mean, I think that could be something like a 4-2, a 3-2, a 3-3, something like that. Um, because, But I'm thinking if I had to put money on it, I'm saying Liverpool is going to win and probably win clearly. 
because Liverpool's defence is far better than ours, uh, I would take Van Dyke over Maguire any day of the week. So that's the main difference for me, that we've looked really slipshod at the back, to put it lightly, and I think Liverpool are going to score some goals at Old Trafford, which is going to sting. Is um is this going to be the final game with uh, Oli being at the wheel if they end up losing? I think he's going to hold on until at least halfway through the season at the very worst. But given the run we've been on and we're about to run into some crunch Champions League matches as well, um, these like the last few weeks were supposedly the easy matches. And we've got a pretty ugly run coming up, so this is more or less going to be it. What's in his favour, though, is um, him and Phelan both signed new contracts. Um, they got given a three-year... Ole's on a three-year contract and Phelan's on a new two-year contract. So, I mean, if they decide to pull the trigger, they'd be pulling the trigger three months into a new deal. Um, so, and given he's a favourite son, I think he's probably earned himself until the end of the season, maybe, because the only two candidates at the moment out there are probably Conte and Zidane. Um, I'm not sure whether either of them are the right choice. I don't. I think Conte would probably want the job, but I'm not sure he's suited for us. Zidane, I don't think, would want the job, um, and he probably would be the better option for us, given his strength in man management um, and managing Ronaldo before, obviously, all that sort of stuff. So uh, it's one of those things. Like I think Newcastle which manager they go for is obviously going to throw the cat amongst the pigeons a bit as well. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch over the next few weeks because I think it could get ugly at Man United pretty quick. Just means that you'll be out of the running for the Man United job, Gilby. That, that's all that means. Uh, yeah, I don't think the Newcastle um, appointment will have much impact because I think Newcastle are likely to go for someone like a Lampard and... If Ole is no longer at the wheel, it is really hard to see Manu going for someone else new in their managerial career like a Lampard. Steve Bruce is available. He is. Club legend, I hear. He'll be more he'll be available for a while longer yet. Okay. Until Ranieri gets sacked in a few weeks. <laughs> the game I'm going to go for, although, you know, I do like the shout of uh, Brentford Leicester. I'm going to go for Palace Newcastle because I, I think this is a big game for Palace. Like, they need to be able to turn around their, their demons in the last few minutes of games and try and win one. They've got a good chance against Newcastle. Will we see an upshift from Newcastle given the change in manager? They'll have a caretaker manager next week. That's going to be the interesting thing for me. Um, I. Would love to see Palace get the win here and get it in good style and start to feel a bit more confident when holding leads. So that's my uh, that's my game of interest this week. Um, you know, it helps that I'm a Palace fan, but uh, I'm interested to see how that one plays out. So, um, yeah, Mick? I saw something interesting with Palace this week. Something like, I, I could be wrong, I could get this slightly wrong, but before this game on the weekend, they'd played their seven games are all against top 11 teams. And they had something like 11 points. So their fixtures, they've had quite difficult fixtures and they've done quite well. So they, they could be a team that, like you said, this could be a much easier match. It's interesting to see whether they slip up because we do see that quite often that you, you do well in the hard matches and then you slip up in the easy ones. But I think um, Patrick Vieira has done a great job with them so far. I, he surprised me. The fact that he's a brand new manager to the league 
um, with a first big appointment. I think he might have coached in France before, but other than that, he's not really under any scrutiny whatsoever. So I think he's done quite well. I would agree with you there. It, I'm not sure if you boys watched the uh, video that Jeff put in our, uh, our our Facebook Messenger group um, for for the draft, but he put in a, a Arsenal TV clip, and uh, it was a fan going off about Arteta saying, you know, he's not the, he, he's not a manager that I you know can take the club forward. Um, you know, I watch them play and I don't know what their playing style is. I watch Crystal Palace play; they've had a new manager for two months, and I can see their playing style. So, you, you're right; they they've he's changed how that team plays quite drastically, um, and you can see the results. And they have had a difficult run, and they've come out with a fair amount of points. And I think they can hopefully build from there and and continue to get better. So hopefully, they can go on a bit of a run coming up. Um, yep. Nick, hit us with well, your your game, and then you know we. Let's face it. Every everyone who's still listening at this point, uh, which there will be like three people, um, are all looking for mixed, mischievous, magnificent, mega, miracle, magic, marvelous, multi. So please, can you hit us with it? Well, there was a few options here. I wasn't quite sure where to go. Like Gilby said, you look at these games, and there's a lot of what you could consider lopsidedness to these games, um, and it's trying to pick where the upset might happen now. You said Chelsea-Norwich going to happen. Well, when I had a quick look, a Norwich 1-0 win is $41. So that could just be the multi there. Is it a multi if it's only one leg? Um, and I was tempted in that. Norwich have been a lot better in recent weeks. Brighton, who I guess would be last year's Palace, the one team that slipped under the radar, did really well, never really quite got the points that they probably deserved. Um, nil all draw and have drawn their last three or four games on the trot. But Norwich expected goals was identical to Brighton. So... They actually produced something going forward um, and they stopped Brighton really producing much at all. So whether that says more about Brighton than Norwich, I don't quite know. But you never know. Chelsea haven't produced much going forward. Lukaku's been down a little bit. Maybe they don't start him this week. If they do go with the German strike pair up top, um, Timo Werner with maybe Havertz off the shoulder, well, we know he's not going to score. So maybe a 1-0 win to Norwich is going to happen. That was tempting. But I did pass that one up. I looked at Southampton Burnley. We looked at Southampton and how well they basically pumped Leeds 17 shots to one or something like that, 17 shots to three. Um, Burnley have not been what Burnley has been previous years. They just haven't looked the same team at all. Um, They did have Man City on the weekend. 2-0, I think, is probably better than we were all expecting on how they've gone. Um, So whether you can look at a 2-0 defeat and say they've turned a corner, it's hard to say. But Southampton against Leeds, I think they did quite well, Southampton. Um, and again, that could be a false dawn because Leeds obviously aren't. So that one was tempting. But the game that I think really could go is Wolves-Leeds. So it seems to be Wolves quite a lot um, in these multis. I've looked at Neves before with the outside-of-the-box winner, which, let's face it, happened this week and I didn't have in my multi this week. But Wolves-Leeds, I think, is going to be the game for me. Um, there's not a whole lot in the way of defensive assets for Leeds in any of our squads. Um, I actually possibly don't have any other than Furpo. Um, but with all the centre-backs out, it's hard to have any of them. So it'll be interesting to see. Now, Wolves obviously rested Jimenez, I believe, last game. They played a, a 3-5-2. Um, I believe it was a 3-5-2. I've seen a 3-4-3 somewhere, but Dendonka to me is more of a, a centre-mid CDM. So I reckon they might have loaded Neves and Matinho in the middle um, with Markel and Semedo on the wings and played 
Traore up top with Wang. But I reckon there's a pretty solid chance Jimenez comes back in here um, against Leeds with no central defenders, really. I reckon that's a good shout. So that's my game of the week to watch. It is also included in the multi. So the multi, because it's a multi, it's got to have multiple legs. This is what I've got this time. So I've got Crystal Palace to beat Newcastle by two goals or more. I've got Wolves to beat Leeds by two goals or more. And to get it to the the number that we need to get it to, I've got just a straight Liverpool to beat Man United paying $2.20. So that gets me to the number I needed to get to. So those together, $3.50 for Palace to cover a one handicap. Wolves, $6 to cover a one handicap. Liverpool, $2.20 is paying $46.20 to one. So I think there's a chance there. Now, whenever I've picked a high scoring game, like a two goal difference, it's never that. It'll be a nil or draw for one of those two. Um, I just hope it's for the team that I have a defender for. You weren't tempted to just throw a Watford win away at Everton in there somewhere, Mick? I I did look at it, um, but then I thought that I can waste money other ways. Yeah. Yeah, fair call. I... um. There's obviously, for me, a bit of interest around Everton, Watford. Um, not only do Watford really need to turn things around, uh, but Everton in recent times have stolen one of the managers that we didn't sack. He actually uh, left to go to Everton in Marco Silva. And then uh, hot on the heels of that, um, oh, there was obviously the Richarlison transfer as well. And Decoure. So, yeah, plenty of interest there from me, but I can't see us getting anything out of that game other than more depression. That sounds good. I reckon I reckon Isaac might have almost dropped out here. It might just be the three of us left. I think Sorry so. about that, guys. That was Here my fault. <laughs> I was just, I was just saying that uh, I think that's a pretty good wrap of all things of the next game week. We've you know covered so much this this podcast, so hopefully um, we can see some good results next week. And uh, you know, uh, I'm hoping to see a few trades actually happen. I think that'll be really interesting for the league. So fingers crossed. And uh, boys, thanks so much for for joining us this week. And um, we'll do this all again next week. Thanks very much, lads. Cheers, boys. All right. Good luck, everyone. See ya.